This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider Big Ten Tournament Edition. As the postseason is now officially upon us and joining me as he does every single week. This dude, uh, you might as well call him Nostradamus when it comes to Michigan basketball because his predictions have been spot on, dead ringers all season long. I'm talking about former Michigan basketball standout, first round draft pick before he went on to the NBA uh, and played there for a number of years. And now broadcaster when it comes to NBA basketball with the Pistons, college basketball, as well as none other than Tim McCormick, who said, Sam, uh, mark my words, they're going to win on Thursday, win the Big Ten championship. They're going to lose on Sunday in a game that in the grand scheme of things won't mean anything as far as the standings are concerned. And Tim McCormick, once again, my friend, you were correct. Thanks, Sam. And and another week of Michigan basketball with storylines galore. Um, so much anticipation for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, the Big Ten Championship was memorable. Anytime you can put a banner up in the rafters, you become part of the Michigan folklore. Uh, this is a special team, and they have far exceeded anyone's expectations. And I remember, uh, I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but it was right before the season, you and I were joking about your boys at 24-7. <laughs> it had Michigan preseason number six behind Rutgers. Yeah. Um, other storylines, Hunter was phenomenal. One of the best years ever for a Michigan center. And I'd put him right up there with, with Phil Hubbard and Chris Weber. And I mean, he, he's been that good. Um, an all American and all big 10 standout. Uh, the, the, the team managed the pandemic and they stayed healthy. That was great. Their defense is world-class and they really gave all of us a bright spot during a rather gloomy fall with a football team and the winter with, with everybody's health concerns. So, you know, I think that the, the big topic to discuss is where is this team heading into the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I think a, a few things really quickly to put Hunter's achievements this season into perspective. Michigan has had Big Ten freshman of the year before, a number of them. You you mentioned Chris Weber, who was a Big Ten freshman of the year, for instance. But the last Big Ten freshman of the year to also make all Big Ten first team was Mike McGee in 1978. So th- wow. this is this is truly rarefied air for Hunter Dickinson that he has achieved this year. It's been nothing short of fantastic. Give that young man a ton of credit for what he was able to do. But Jawan Howard being the coach of the year, so much focus on what Jawan has done. Jawan and his staff, make no mistake, because he, he makes it a point to give his staff credit. What they've done with this team uh, schematically, on the defensive end of the floor, the offensive end of the floor, development-wise, has been nothing short of amazing. It's been, you know, they've dialed into all his team strengths. Well, uh, but don't, don't, don't you have to say real quick that that um he's co coach of the year because the Illinois fans are saying <laughs> that Brad Underwood 
um, is the coach of the year. So I think we have to acknowledge <laughs> that, Sam. Don't get me started, Tim. But I wanted to get your take on on the other piece of it because I think you have to play team sports, and, and you as a guy who's played team sports at the highest level can probably speak to this more than us who, you know, played and, you know, up to the high school level. You know, the the importance of the buy-in factor. It, it's something that at one time playing team sports, I, I kind of, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, team leader, rah-rah, coach you can get behind. You just, you just need guys who can play. And it's that's not the case. Uh, and this was truly, in my opinion, one of the better coaching jobs you'll see when it comes to the absolute buy-in factor, when you consider all the dynamics we've talked about all season, Tim, with a an Isaiah Livers who's come who comes back for a senior season, has expectations individually. A Sean D. Brown who transfers into Michigan has expectations individually. You bring a Hunter Dickinson in, and he immediately uh, becomes a focal point. What does that do to the role of a Franz Wagner who has some expectations individually? You get all of these guys to buy into a collective, and I, that to me is an amazing coaching job for Jawan Howard to get this team with those new parts, to get them all to buy in the way he is, he's gotten them to do this season. Yeah, Sam, it reminds me when, when I was a young boy, I, um, I took a trip on a train to Toronto, and, and I was mesmerized the whole time. Um, I, I had seen things I had never seen. I learned things that were, were new and, and, and exciting. Um, I, I developed some, some, you know, relationships and, and it was just, it was a great learning experience. I liken the players jumping on Juwan's train and every step of the way there, there's something new to learn. And it's not always positive. Some, mm-hmm. Sometimes you can learn a lot from losses, from injuries, from negativity. Um, I think back to one of the highlights of the year for me was when Isaiah Livers and Jawan Howard got into it. I think it was the Oakland game. Mm-hmm. And, and and they had a disagreement. And everybody was all worried, like, how disrespectful? How can you talk back to your coach? And 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 I and I think about the way that, that Juwan gave his players a voice. And there was no ego, like, well, people may perceive me as not having control of my team. It's far from the truth. Juwan treats every one of his players a little bit different based on their personality and what they need. And and he was trying to get Isaiah to take ownership of this team and to be a a vocal leader. And and it worked wonderfully. And and the fact that that every day since June, these Michigan players have been been pouring, they've been pouring their heart and soul into this program and Juwan motivates them. And, and they, they, they had to buy in about giving up their social life and their family for the betterment of the good. And the message from Juwan was, guys, stay with me here. You know, keep focused on each other. The back of, in the back of the, the picture of the Big Ten trophy that Tom, Tom Wyrot posted, you, you may have seen it in social media. I thought it was very interesting that the word you can read on the ceiling in the background is accountability. And, and it's very appropriate. I don't know if that was supposed to be there, mm-hmm. but that's what this team is all about, that, that they bought in and they are Big Ten champs. And for that, they, they, will, they will have a part of Michigan basketball history. No doubt. And, uh, again, I'm sure as, as much as they are celebrating that accomplishment, they are keeping it in perspective and saying, look, we, got, we have more to do. And so 
Uh, as you look back on the week, though, Tim, and look back on your prediction, I, I think it's important to highlight how you have really pegged this team all year long to a T. You saw it. You saw Thursday victory, Sunday loss. Let's revisit your rationale for it. Why did you think that would happen? And did that the the how it played out? Did it go that they lose in the fashion or lose for the reasons that you thought they were gonna gonna lose and win for the reasons you thought they were gonna win? Well, I I believe that one of the greatest challenges in sports is to cut down a net and then not lose your motivation and your fire and your edge. Think about the, the, the fact that for winning confetti is like kryptonite. It just, it just, it, it causes you to take a deep breath and to hug each other and to celebrate your seniors and to put on a big 10 championship hat and put on a big 10 championship t-shirt and reflect and you you can't help but but take a a, a pause and, and think about all the success all the big wins and 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 the problem with that is that you're going to a bitter rival that is spewing venom and needs on their home court a decisive victory to secure an NCAA bid win and you're in so one team was was just so proud and excited and patting each other on the back. And the other team is going to be playing their, their, their best and toughest game of the year. And I think that Michigan as a team is so much better than Michigan state. It's not even close. And if they play 10 times, Michigan wins eight, maybe nine. Um, but with that scenario with Eli out, um, remember he would have been covering rocket Watts, Mm -hmm. Michigan lacked force and aggression. Hunter Dickinson has carried a heavy burden for a long time. He looked tired and, and Michigan might need a few more wrinkles in their offense to free up livers and Wagner. Um, I, I just think that it was a perfect storm and, and it was going to be very hard for Michigan to win that game. And so this is, uh, it's always amazing to have your perspective with this, this particular sequence of games, I think is especially beneficial to have your analysis and breakdowns because a consistent theme in both of these games uh, both of the losses, uh, even the win. I mean, Michigan State, like it, like Illinois before them, decided to play Hunter straight up. Now, Illinois was able to do that uh, and be very effective in limiting Hunter, uh, right? And and then Michigan State, they tried it in the game on Thursday, and Hunter exploited those one-on-one matchups. Uh, in the post, pick and roll, he was, he was really good. They came back with that same approach Sunday, and they were more effective – uh, and, you know, maybe it was the fatigue factor that you talked about. They ran a number of bodies at them. It was the third game and I don't know, six or so days that week. Uh, what do you make of their ability, those two teams' ability to limit Hunter and therefore limit Michigan's offense, it seemed to me, uh, by limiting Hunter in the way that they did? Well, if if I were to sit down with Hunter Dickinson and watch some film, I would talk to him specifically about his angle of attack. And it's very important for him because he needs to use the backboard on his finishes. He's elite at finishing. I mean, some of some of the shots that he makes make me say, wow. And against Michigan State and against Illinois, they forced him below the block. The block is sort of that Mason Dixon line for post guys. And, and if you get below it, you lose your ability to use the backboard. So I would encourage him. 
his first couple of dribbles need to be up towards the foul line into the paint so he can make the defense adjust. Once he does that, the defense will come and he's such a good passer. He will be the catalyst. He'll be the point center. And, and, and then he can also get back to his jump hook and have that angle, which he is nearly flawless on. However, if he stays below the block near the baseline, he loses his angle. His shot becomes very blockable because he can't use his body to shield the shot. And so those are all things that I worry about. And, and I do believe that they're somewhat easily correctable. Also, I hope he had two days to, to lay in the, the hot tub and then get in the cold tub and put some ice on his knees and take a deep breath. And, and yeah, he should be proud of what he accomplished. I have no idea why he's not unanimous freshman of the year. I was a little disappointed with that. Um, probably Andre Corbello from Illinois. But um, I, I think that he's going to come back with a fire. And I think that he will probably um, be in a position to lead Michigan very deep into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, expert analysis from a guy who did it uh, at that level and beyond. So that that's great. I, I'm curious, Tim, because I noticed what you said about catching it below the block. A number of times he tried to get it off the backboard, and it's like, man, this it, this just has no shot of going in because he doesn't have a good angle to the rim. So I noticed that. I wonder if, you know, against Kofi Coburn especially, I just, man, you know, getting position with him on the against him on the block, and getting you know being able to back him down to the rim, just seems sort of like an exercise in futility. I wonder if you think. Uh, a uh, more of a mode of attack against him is to pull him away from the basket, more two-man two game scenarios against him. I wonder if you think that would be in the equation if they faced him again. And then against Michigan State, it just seemed like in addition to having him below the block, they got him away from his his post position. He I mean, he didn't get as deep uh, in his position as, as we had seen him get maybe on Thursday. Right? He was getting into his move a lot closer to the basket, and I wonder if that had an effect. So two things – Asking your expert opinion on this, is it is it more pick and roll scenarios against a, a guy as big and as strong as Kofi Coburn and then against Michigan State? How about deeper post position again in addition to catching it above the block? Man, Sam, you brought out a lot. <laughs> Did you play the post? I don't remember. <laughs> so, first of all, against Kofi, you're dead on. Right on, Sam. You, you've got to pick and roll him to death. And it reminds me of in the NBA playing against Shaquille O'Neal. If you let Shaq stand in the middle of the paint, he's going to block shots. He's going to intimidate you. He's going to grab every single rebound. But if you take him out and you have him playing pick and roll defense and you're rolling into your low post, two things happen. He's taking a lot of energy and he's away from the paint. And then also it allows when you roll into your, your post position, you're able to get the position you want because you're attacking against the moving target. So, yeah, I, I would make sure that that 15 times per half that I'm running a pick and roll in which Kofi Coburn is out 30 feet from the basket. And against Michigan State, I didn't blame Hunter Dickinson. I blamed the perimeter passers. Mm. Michigan State's passers were above the foul line. It makes for a really hard angle because when you throw it in, Hunter's got to step away from the paint to catch it, and then the defensive job is so much easier. If the passers get below the foul line, then they're throwing a straight line pass right into Hunter, 
They're hitting his target hand, and he does not have to move at all. Mm. So I'm sure that's a correction. As 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 Coach Martelli, who works with guards, he's 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 coached Delonte West and Jameer Nelson and so many others. I, I and Langston Galloway, and it goes on and on. I, I bet that he talked about the post-entry angle from the guards. This is stuff that you can't get on any other podcast. Right right here, you just you just got it. You just got schooled. Folks, I got schooled. We all got schooled in some of the remedies, the remediation plan, if you will, if, if Michigan sees both Michigan State and Illinois again, which we all hope they do. We also hope, Tim, that when they do so, that they have Eli Brooks because – Again, he's I've seen him called the unsung hero and you know all kind of tags that that maybe sort of highlight people not appreciating everything he brings to the table. And I guess I don't agree with that. Because I think I think people know exactly how important Eli Brooks is to this team, especially on the defensive end. And to your point, we really saw that with the way Rocket Watts was able to go off on Sunday. Yeah, the number one storyline is how is Eli? Um and I know that you know you've given me a lot of credit for making correct uh, predictions. Um, I'm going to make one right now that I think could possibly be wrong. Uh, maybe it's my optimism, but I think Eli will play on Friday, and here's why: uh, it doesn't appear to be a high ankle sprain that can be debil- debilitating for for long periods of time, usually two weeks or more. I think it was a standard ankle roll that happens to nearly every player. At some point, it's part of the job. And and when you're constantly jumping for a rebound or you're shooting or you're going to block a shot, your eyes are up and you don't see your landing platform. I've suffered the same injury on both ankles multiple times. It looks bad, but the truth is the more time you sprain the ankle, the better. Because every time you twist an ankle, you're, you're tearing the ligaments a little bit and, and there's less damage each time and a little bit less swelling. I don't know Eli's ankle history. It seems like he he twisted his ankle once earlier this year yep. and did not miss a lot of time. So I'm hopeful that's the same situation. Um, also, in situations like this, I'm always looking for little little bright sides of the story type facts that come out. I think the fact that he walked out in a boot for the second half is good. Uh, if he was seriously hurt, he would not have come out of the court. They would have had him getting treatment. Um, also, he's a senior, and he isn't saving himself for an NBA career. I know the swelling and the pain takes courage and toughness to play with, but this is his career. Like this is this is what this is what a player dreams of, and he knows how vital he is. And and last and most important, a knee injury you can do more damage. An ankle it just hurts. And, and the only way that you're going to hurt it is if you have another ankle sprain on that ankle, which seems highly unlikely. So I think he will play. Um, but I could also see where they would say, you know what, Let, let's just see how we can do with the Big Ten tournament. Most people think we have a number one seed locked up. Let's focus on the big picture, not worry about this, do the best we can and make sure he's 100% for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, one more question for you, Tim, before we get into the intro to this week's guest. You said something a little bit earlier in the podcast about uh, running some stuff to get uh, to get Franz and Isaiah better looks, uh, especially in sequences where, where we hope we don't find Michigan in a position where teams are nullifying Hunter, uh, both as a scorer and as a passer 
in the ways in which Illinois and Michigan State were able to do in the two losses. Uh, but that put more of the onus on those other two guys. We saw in the Thursday game, man, you saw Franz Wagner really take off. Wasn't nearly as effective on Sunday. And in, in all those sequences, I found myself with regard to Isaiah Liver saying, man, I, I wish I wish they would run more action for him, whether that's getting him involved in more pick-and-roll scenarios. And we saw them try to do that a little bit more on Sunday or or getting him some some post touches, which I think is an underrated part of his game, or just running him off of some off-ball screen action to try to free him up on the three-point line. But, you know, a more concerted effort to get him looks I think could be an elixir. I wonder what you think and, and why do you think it was that they were able to limit Hunter more effectively on Sunday compared to what they did, how, how effective he was against them on Thursday? So – so Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner want to be an NBA player next year, right? Yes. We know that. This is their time to shine right now. And they're both going to play in the NBA because they're talented. But you don't want to go into the NBA and just, just be on somebody's bench to be a you know a, a 12th or 13th thing. You want to show right now that you've got some star power and some capability to make plays, to, to be the best player on the court. Give me the ball get out of the way. I'm going to make a play. That's what I do. And, and especially for Franz, because he had a chance to watch his brother Mo take off in March yes, he and did. let his team where he needs to go. Yeah. That's the capability of both of these guys. So don't tell me I want to be in the NBA, go out and show me. And, and the scouts are watching very, very closely. As a matter of fact, the NCAA is a great proving ground for future NBA stars. And that's why I think that last year's NBA draft was just kind of a foul. So you're going to see all kinds of players that were missed on because they didn't have March to showcase themselves. So what would I do? Um, I think that, that one of the most effective plays for forward scoring is a single double, or they also call it floppy, where you've got a, a single screen on one side on the block and a double screen on the other and you let a guard or a forward come off that screen to start the action. It's a great way to get movement. It gives the point guard the ability to target a hot score, to go left, to go right. It creates a lot of movement. I would love to see both Franz and Isaiah coming off those screens to initiate the offense. And then it, 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 it makes the defense really collapse. They've got, a, they've got something else that they probably haven't been preparing for. And then it allows you to go on that single side to Hunter, and it's a great way to enter the ball into the post. So, so that's what I think that, mm-hmm. that, that Livers and Wagner could do to really jumpstart their games. Great, great stuff. Great analysis. As always, Tim, we just heard that great perspective from you a little bit earlier in the podcast, big man perspective on how Illinois played Hunter and how Michigan State played Hunter and what some of the counters could be that Michigan could unleash if they see those teams again. You offer great analysis based on your experience in the game. We're going to have the great fortune and pleasure to get that same kind of analysis and perspective from a fellow big man of yours in Amazing Blue, Terry Mills. Terry Mills, um, every, every time I listen to him broadcast a game, whenever I see him, he brings back so many memories. And I remember during the summer, um, during the, 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 the time that, that Michigan's heralded class with Terry and Glenn Rice and Lloyd Vaught. And I mean, I, I had a chance to play against those guys in the summer and I just thought 
my gosh, these guys are so advanced. They're going to do amazing things for Michigan. This is a guy that that has been maize and blue his whole life. And 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 I, I can't wait to hear his perspective on this team and how far they can go. All right, so what we'll do is we'll take this break, and when we come back on the other side, we will catch up with, I call him three Mills still, but Terry Mills is going to join us here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. And look, man, we got basketball royalty times, too. We just spent some time here earlier in the podcast going over some of the big man sort of reactions to the way Illinois played Michigan, to the way Michigan State played Michigan, specifically how they got at Hunter Dickinson. And joining us to give his his perspective on things is the man that I still call Three Mills. Terry, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. and uh like to give a big shout out to my buddy Tim. Happy birthday, Tim! Man, oh, I know, look, uh, that's so I know we get, I know we getting up there, but you ain't collecting Social Security yet. My <laughs> um, man, th- thanks for remembering, T. There you go. There you go. Hey, Terry, Tim too was holding out on us, man. I didn't know it was a birthday to to Tim today. He was oh, holding out. No, it just takes a little digging, Sam. If you really wanted to find out, you could have. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, I hope you're going to get a Big Ten championship ring. You, you deserve it. Are you going to get one? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, I mean, either way, man, I'm just happy to be a part of it, man. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a special team. Um, I think Juwan just did an excellent job, man. No one even expected, you know, for Michigan. This was supposed to be a down year for Michigan basketball with the number one recruiting class coming in next year. So, I mean, I think we exceeded all expectations whatsoever. So we're going to dive into Hunter and 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 the Michigan attack and so on. But I am um, I want to share that on April third, nineteen eighty nine, eighty to seventy nine, you won a national championship. And I remember I was um in the NBA and I was staying at the Indianapolis Hyatt Regency downtown, sitting by myself, jumping up and down, hugging my pillow, throwing it against the wall, screaming at the top of my lungs. I've got so much. So, so many good memories of that. I, I want to know if you have a memory that nobody knows, maybe a 
you know, a word that was shared, a hug, a shot. What do you remember about that night? No, uh, about that night, probably the night leading up to it, the most memorable thing would be that none of us went to sleep that night. I don't think not a player on that team went to sleep. Uh, you know, during those times, you had to pretty much stay on the same floor. They had managers at each end of the hallway. And it was just like every player just pretty much sat out in the hallway in front of their doors and just kind of talked about, you know, what we were expected to do in the game. And, hey, can you believe it? We're one game away from winning this this whole thing. So I, I just think a, a sleepless night in Seattle. How about that? I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> so th- this team, T, preseason number six in the Big Ten, today undisputed sole champs. What are your overall thoughts on this Michigan basketball team? You know what? I think it's just a, a well put together team where, you know, you, you've got uh, players that uh, they bought in uh, right away, taking sacrifices from Sean D. Brown, who, you know, was being a starter in, uh, at Wake Forest. And, and then Mike Smith, who, who was a, a guy that was a 20 point of all game uh, player who was asked to do everything, not only drop dimes, but also shoot the basketball, rebound the basketball. For these guys to change their games and sacrifice for the good of the team, if you ask them guys right now today, would you rather go back to where you were or would you rather get all the accolades that you're getting right now? And I'm quite sure they would take the accolades they're getting right now. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, Isaiah coming back, you know, uh, that young man pretty much had a bucket list, you know, that he kind of talked about not winning at Ohio State, uh, not winning a regular season uh, Big Ten title. And all those things have just really came around, man, and they came into fruition. And, uh, you know, just a special team, man. And, 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 Tim, you know what? It's a team that they really love each other, man. They love being around each other. And uh, when you got a group like that, man, it's just a special team. Special team, special coach. Uh, and it seems like you, Tim, uh, you and Tim Terry, all you guys that are part of the player fraternity I think you guys were clued in before the rest of us. I think most of the rest of us uh, that you know grew up watching them and watching this career in the NBA, uh, you know, we were we were excited, we were optimistic, but it seemed like you knew. But did you know that it would come this fast, Terry? And and what I think what you just nailed is the part that to me uh, came about faster: his ability to get all those guys that have all those individual goals to put those to the side and buy into that collective goal. That's that's like big time coaching stuff, man. That he's able to do right out the gate, and I'm wondering if if that surprised you any, if at all. No, not at all. You know, with, with myself playing in the Miami Heat organization for two years, and you know, Eric Spoelstra used to work me out personally. wasn't even necessarily on the coaching staff. He was at the, uh, doing a lot of film work and stuff like that at the time. And me knowing the culture, and that's what Juwan brought in, and. That, that entails a lot of accountability, if you will, and, and self-policing. So I knew that, uh, you know, he was the right coach for the right situation. And, uh, you know, especially having this group that he has. I mean, you're talking about uh, a team full of seniors and upperclassmen. I mean, they just bought in right away. And, and I tip my cap to them, young man, because, you know, during this pandemic, to do everything the right way, you know, I was just being honest to uh, reporters that asked me, I would say, how would this thing have worked out with your team in 1989? And I just said, I'm not sure it would work out that way. You know, whether, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whether guys would be able to stay in their room and, you know, do different things like that and, and take the sacrifice. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, um, 
something that, you know, I, I just tip my cap to those young men that, to be able to do that for the good of the basketball team. And then, Hunter, Terry, I mean, I, I posed this question to Tim earlier, you know, as a big man, to watch him come in and do what he did. All right, so you, you, you felt like you knew that Juwan was going to be able to get this get this done, get that buy-in really, really quickly. Did you think when you first watched Hunter that he was going to be able to do what he's done so quickly? Not only Big Ten freshman of the year, Terry, but also all Big Ten first team, the first Big Ten freshman of the year at Michigan to do that since Mike McGee in 1978. Yeah, well, I would say that he had the capabilities too. And I just think that he came right out of the gate, you know, with guns blazing. And, and when you talk about Coach Howard being able to get it done, as far as the big man is concerned, I mean, he's an on, on the court type guy. You know, he's out there on the post with him, working with him on the post. And even when I talk to these young men, I hear them saying some of the same things that Coach Howard would say, you know, defensively. You know, a player might say, hey, I, uh, Coach was teaching me that. I pulled the chair from up underneath the, uh, the offensive guy. And I said, yeah, you're hanging around with Coach Howard just a little bit too much. But, you know, with his whole staff, you got to look at his whole staff. It brings immediate accountability. You know, every every kid dreams of going to the NBA. Uh, Coach Juwan Howard, 19 years. Howard Isley, 10 or 12 years. Saudi Washington had a stint, even playing overseas. And then uh, Coach Martelli and, you know, Chris Hunter, you know, who's played, you know, uh, at the highest level. And when you got these guys that can tell you how to get there, I mean, that's just immediate accountability. And uh, it, it just shows that these guys are listening and doing the things that they need to do. T, we, we acknowledge Michigan's greatness this year, but we have to be fair and point out the fact that they've had a subpar effort in what, two of their last three games. Do you see any reasons we should be concerned as the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA are close start starting? Uh, no, I don't. You know, I just I just think that's back to accountability. You know, Coach Howard uh, has talked about these guys and say, you know, when you play Michigan State that, you know, that's not going to be the same team when you go up there. You know, they're going to change around. And, you know, sometimes I think you've got to get hit in the mouth. You know, a coach can tell you something, and, but until you experience it and understand it, I, I, I think it was an eye-opener for them. I, I can't say today I expected them to run the table. But one thing they have to worry about, and especially in that starting five, I would like to see them when the game starts, bring that physicality. Because right now, those teams that are, are beating them are still in the page from uh, Illinois book that, hey, you come out, play physical, and show your physicality against this team. But I, I think it's up on that, that starting five to pretty much set the tone from the physicality standpoint. Michigan State. That kind of reminded me a lot of an NBA game where Michigan State just wouldn't let guys cut where they wanted to. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they teach us that in the NBA. Hey, bump cutters. They want to go this way, make them go that way. And that's exactly what Michigan State did. But uh, I think it was an eye opener for this team. But uh, I think they'll be okay. Terry, I remember the first time we met, it was at Chrysler Arena before your freshman year. And we, we were scrimmaging against you, the old guys against the new guys. And, and I was amazed because I, I wanted to get physical with you and kind of just show you, like, I'm an NBA player. You're just a freshman. And um, I started bumping you, and you just started moving out to the perimeter, knocking down jump shots, and I couldn't cover you. Uh, you made that evolution. Uh, I, I think of Hunter Dickinson and, and where he's at now. Um, based on your experiences, do you think he has an NBA future? Do you think he'll be a three-point shooter? Do you think that he'll be so good? 
that they'll they'll make adjustments. What is the upside long term for Hunter? Well, I don't think he'll be necessarily a three-point shooter. And, of course, everyone says, hey, he's ready to go now. He can leave now. I think that the evolution of, of Hunter's game is that he's going to have to eventually start, you know, whether he's using a reverse pivot, but just being able to knock down that short jump shot around the elbow, I, I think that would give him a lot of a lot of relief. Um, I've seen him kind of attempt it, you know, a few times, but he's definitely something he's not comfortable with. But, you know, translating to the next level, he's going to have to be able to make that elbow jump shot. Uh, other than that, I think he, he can be a rim protector. I mean, he does an excellent job at blocking shots and He's one of those guys that uh, he can run the floor. So uh, it does translate. I, I think he will be okay. Um, I just don't think he's ready right now. But, you know, in, in the world of today, you know, who knows what these, what these kids are do. But I think one guy that you do have in your corner that knows whether you're ready to go, and I think he won't be selfish, and that's Coach Jawan Howard, you know, to be able to say, hey, I talked to my sources, and, hey, I've been in the league for 19 years. I've coached. And, whatever it is, and, hey, you're ready to go. And if he's ready, I'm quite sure he's going to get the nod from Coach Howard to say, hey, time for you to move on. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that will be uh, interesting to see in the here and now is if he sees Michigan, if Michigan sees Michigan State again, if Michigan sees Illinois again, how he responds to the way they guarded him. Because, Terry, I mean, the interesting thing about both of those teams is they, they went at Hunter, you know, straight up, you know, Man to man, they didn't double him. And unlike most other teams, uh, he wasn't able to exploit that against Kofi Coburn. Uh, kind of nullified him. Really, his 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 back to the basket game wasn't really working in that contest. First game against Michigan State, he he was effective one on one. Second game against Michigan State, he wasn't. So, what did you see? Why were they so successful in in limiting Hunter in those matchups? And what do you see as maybe some some comebacks, some modifications that so when the next time if he sees them, he'll be better the next time around. You know, with Illinois, Illinois was very physical against him with, with Colburn and really attacking him on pick and roll defense, and and that's something that I seen Hunter get better as the season went on. But I mean, these guards were literally turning the corner against Illinois, getting into that painted area. So you know, you talk about not compounding mistakes, not getting frustrated. I think Hunter might have got a little frustrated. Uh, I noticed that he's been catching it on the block, and he's got a little extra wiggle to his game, and I'm kind of like, he had him the first time. Why did he come back to go get in trouble again? So I think then he's trying to figure it out, you know, and I think he will figure it out because, I mean, the moves are there, but I think that sometimes he's kind of second-guessing himself right now with his moves and is getting him back in trouble. Uh, you know, against Michigan State, they decided, hey, we're not going to double teaming because we don't want these guys to get hot on the outside. Um, not necessarily with Hunter, for say, but that whole team, I just didn't feel, you know, that, that energy or that fire that I needed to see against Michigan State. You know, uh, Tim played in his rivalry. I have, and I always, I, I told somebody on, on a, on a uh, broadcast, I said, you know, people saying this game doesn't matter because Michigan is already running. I said, I don't care if they're playing marbles. Michigan <laughs> against Michigan State matters no matter what. I, you don't just take that game for granted. And, you know, Michigan State was definitely playing for something. But at the same time, Michigan had an opportunity to knock Michigan State out. And when you get those of uh, 
opportunities, you take advantage of them. You know, you can be looking back, you know, on your career and you could say, Hey, coach Tom Enzo had a streak up 20, 25 uh, years that he made it. And I was on the team and knocked him out that he couldn't go, you know? So these are the things that you can have could have had happen, but didn't happen. But, you know, I expect this team to, to come out with a different type of fire and a different anger uh, when they match these two teams again. So I've got um, three questions to end this interview. This is our speed round, okay? One word, two words, maybe a sentence. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready. Who's the most valuable player on this team? Eli Brooks. Wow. Um, Simply because I think he brings a calm about this team. I mean, his numbers don't necessarily say that, but when they get in trouble, he just gives them a calm, whether it's a defensive play, uh, whether it's an offensive play, and he just settles them down. So I, I think he's probably the one player that's an extension of the coaching staff that can get that team to kind of settle down a little bit. And they didn't have that against Michigan State. They didn't have that against uh, uh, Minnesota when they lost against Minnesota. And he's just that one guy that calms this team down. Then he better play. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second question: Who wins a game? Five, um, who who wins a championship game? The Fab Five or the '89 team? <laughs> Come on, wow! What kind of question is that, man? The nineteen eighty nine national champs, of course, man. Uh, okay, all right. That, I, I that, that'll, that, that'll, that'll, yeah, it'll probably never happen, you know, unless they have some throwback game, but. I don't, yeah. I don't think either team would win in, but, you know, I would I would definitely go with, with my team. You know, I, I just think that that team that we had, we were talented from top to bottom. It just happened at jail at the right time. Uh, you know, even though we might have lost a few games throughout the course of the season, you know when you come to Michigan that the expectations is through the roof and you lose a couple games, the next thing you know, hey, you guys are underachieving. But, you know, we were able to put it all together and – talk about sacrificing for the team, that's exactly what happened. We realized that, hey, Glenn's going to be the shooter. We're going to screen for Glenn. We're going to do this and that. And, and Tim, that, that's hard, especially when you get a group of guys like we've had that on their high school team, everybody on our team pretty much averaged 25, 30 points a ball game. So everybody wants the ball. You know, hey, I'm not getting my shots. You know, so when you take those sacrifices for the good of the team, guess what? We run a national championship. I like it. Last question. Can Michigan win a national championship this year? Yes, they can. I believe Michigan can win a national championship simply because of their defense alone. I think what they can do with their defense and the offense has to basically pick up a little steam. Uh, the defense kind of holds them down when the offense kind of goes in, you know, these little droughts. But I don't necessarily like seeing these droughts because the defense can hold you down for so long. And then all of a sudden, we, you don't want that, that connection of the offense affecting the good defense. And sometimes that will happen. In most cases, it does. But, you know, as long as you can kind of get out of those droughts, I, I think defensively it, it'll, it'll make them, help them win a national championship. Well, Terry, man, it, it is always such a pleasure. I, just, I don't know if you've been paying attention. Did you, did you know that the Illinois squad – they are st- they're saying they're Big Ten champs. These people feel – it seems like they're still scarred from 89, man. They they have a hatred for Michigan that I didn't know existed. 
<laughs> man, man it, it exists, man. That's just total delusional, man. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, if uh, the Big Ten Conference comes out and they say this is what it's going to take to win, we're going to base it on percentages, and, and Michigan did nothing wrong that they, you know, uh, didn't win those other games or anything like that, but I'm quite sure those other games that Michigan had to play, if they could play them, they were probably going to be uh, favorable in those games, but we can't, you know, rewind. We can't go back and say, hey, what would have happened or whatever. It was based off of percentages, and of course, they can throw out, well, hey, we beat them the one time that we played them, and, you know, it's always case scenarios, but just like you said, it's a lot, a lot of sour apples going on there, and you know, I think the ultimate goal is, hey, maybe it will be a rematch, but, you know, the ultimate goal is uh, the national championship right now. Hey, Terry, hey, Terry, I just tell him Terry Mills to Sean Higgins. That's what I say. <laughs> hey, how about that? How about that? Yeah. But but you know what? It, it's, it's funny, Sam, that you say that. Whether it's delusional or not, I keep hear, still hearing that in 1989, the best team did not win a national championship. And I, I mean, that's just total delusional to me. I mean, everybody's in the hat. And if you win it, win it, you can't just look back and say, if, you know, Duke hadn't lost in the first round, they were the best team all year long. You know, it's, it's about who gets hot. You know, it's not about who's the best team. But, I, I mean, I constantly hear that over and over again, the, uh, that that team was the best team uh, in the tournament that year that didn't win it. You know, but I don't know. Still trying to shake that one off. And look, man, <laughs> they lost. They lost. That's what it was. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Terry, hey, man, it's been an honor and a pleasure. I always love hearing you and Tim go back and forth, man, to hear the two of the best big fellas ever wear, wear the amazing blue, break it down. There's nothing like it. Yeah, well, you're I a legend. It, you're man. a legend, Terry. I, Thank you so much. Appreciate I, I appreciate you. you. I appreciate you pushing me around, Tim. Man, you know he was just <laughs> a little bit too physical for me at the time, man. And you and you and Roy was just too physical for me, man, to be down there trying to push you guys around, and that kind of you know made me say I got to get in the weight room. Man, these guys are awfully strong at the next level. If anything else. Well, you know, when you say that, and when we talk about your three-point range, how much the game has evolved last. Last month, I saw that the Milwaukee Bucks and the Minnesota Timberwolves shot 96 three-pointers in one NBA game. Can you imagine that? Wow, that, that's unheard of, man. That is unheard of. But it, it has evolved like that, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I think it might eventually circle back around. But, you know, right now, I mean, I even watched that All-Star game the other day, at least a piece of it. And, I mean, that wasn't anything but a three-point shoot kind of pass or a four-point or whatever you want to call it. Guys are just coming over half court and putting it up. But, you know, hey, that, that's, that's the excitement and, and the things that's going on right now, and you just have to adjust to it. All right. Very good. We'll be, go get a Big Ten okay. championship tournament, and we'll um, we'll talk soon, Terry. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Thank Terry. You. Appreciate you, man. Wow, Tim, another great interview is, is typically the case on this podcast. The guys we bring on always seem to bring it, but we are we are short on time. So we need to get into your Big Ten tournament prediction. I've I brag on you all the time about how your how good your forecasts have been this season. How did, what's your outlook on the Big Ten tournament? What's your, what's your outlook specifically for Michigan in this Big Ten tournament? Well, can you tell me if Eli's playing? <laughs> I wish I had the crystal ball, Tim. I wish I had the crystal ball, man. No, okay. So look, if Eli is playing, I feel a lot better. His his talent and his impact at both ends is immense. 
And if he's less than 100%, it drastically hurts Michigan's chances of winning a Big Ten tourney title. And it'll be tough to get to a Final Four without a healthy Eli Brooks. And and I will say that that the reason he's so important is that Michigan lacks depth at the one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see any more cutting down of nets or raising banners without him. And I know that might sound a little bit dramatic, but I've seen what happens without Eli. And And here's what he does. On offense, this guy's a clutch scorer and a really good finisher. And, and maybe my favorite part about him, he's subtle. He's like, like, um, like Rachman, right? Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali, Abdul Rahman. Right. Like he fits in and he can be a ball mover or a playmaker or a big shot guy. And then on, on defense, he can take over a game because he can play one and two and he's a leader. And, and it's clear to me, like he's an excellent talker and he knows the scouting report and he covers up guys' mistakes He's got great hands. He'll grab rebounds as a guard. He gets strips that can lead to the break. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a real big fan and, and he's got to have a big impact. He's one of the most improved players I've seen uh, in a Michigan uniform uh, from where he was as a freshman and what, uh, what I thought he was going to be by the time his career ended to where he actually wound up. I mean, his, his improvement has been, immense and you're right he is a an extremely significant player which begs a question for you tim and this is a tough one but let's say because you said a less than 100 percent or a much a far less than 100 percent eli brooks uh compromises michigan in both tournaments so let's say you know he's 70 percent uh this week do you do you play him anyway or do you give him the rest through the week in preservation and, and, you know, more rest and recovery for the NCAA tournament. No, I play him. I, I play him. I, I, um, you know, I don't know if it's always in the player's best interest, but I was always raised that if you go, if, if you can go, you go. And, <laughs> right. and, you know, so yeah, I, I, um, I, I play him Friday if he can go and if he's 70% and he can help us win, then, then that, that's your part. And, and so, yeah. And I'll, you know what, before we go on and talk about the big 10 tournament, I also think it's ridiculous that the best defensive team yeah. in the big 10 does have, does not have anybody on the all defensive team. Like Franz to me, um, Daryl Morsell is a good player. Maybe I need to appreciate him more, but I was sure that, that Franz Wagner was going to be the defensive player of the year and at the very least that he would be on the all defensive team. And I thought that Eli Brooks could have been on that team too. Yeah, I don't know what they were looking at. Uh, simply put, I, I don't know what that was. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'd be interested to hear an explanation. But the grand scheme of things, water under the bridge, right? Uh, you know, it's it's about what's ahead of them, which is the Big Ten tournament. So uh, give me your breakdown, Tim. How do you see things uh, shaking out? I know, you know. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Eli Brooks plays. Yeah. So I um. I think it's really special. I think Michigan State's playing really well right now, and I think they'll beat Maryland. Um, I, I really do. And so to play your heated rival three times in nine days, that's unprecedented. I'd love to see it. And and I think that Michigan State is offensively challenged and will struggle to score versus a focused Michigan defense. Um, I, 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 I do worry about Eli, but I, I think he needs to play. I like Zeb Jackson and his potential. 
he's not ready right now for the bright lights. I don't think he, he hasn't had enough success. He hasn't had enough run. And, and so I, I also think that Michigan needs to, to go through Hunter. There, there's no doubt, better scoring angles, live above the low block. And then, then, then your star players, Isaiah and Franz need to play like all big 10 players. And, and, and if they do that, I think that, that Michigan will advance. I do feel like we'll see Michigan, Illinois for the second time. And, and I, um, I don't know. I, I, I can't sit here and say, yeah, I think that, that Michigan will beat Illinois because what I saw in Chrysler without Io DeSumnu, um, that, that was kind of eye-opening to me. Um, I, I, I'm going to hold off because I, I don't have a prediction on that one right now because I'm a little bit worried about that matchup. Well, if Michigan makes it to so – they will have gone through Michigan State, according to your predictions. Uh, I think I think they will have gone through Purdue as well yep. when you think about how, think. how well Purdue has been playing here down the stretch. Uh, with uh, I think they've won five straight heading into the tournament here. Zach Eady playing really, really well. They will have faced, uh, you know, Zach Eady and Trevion Williams. That'll, uh, I think that preparation, Michigan State and their bevy of big men, um, you know, Purdue and Eady and Trevion Williams. I think that would be great preparation for Illinois. So if if that is the matchup again, I like these Wolverines chances. But to me, big, big factor, big, big key to your earlier point, Eli Brooks. Do they have Eli Brooks available? For this run is a big and huge key in this uh, in this stretch run here as far as the Big Ten slate is concerned. Well, my man, Tim McCormick, it is always, always a pleasure, as I said before. Folks, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate and review it. And don't forget, tell your friends all about it. They can find this podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Just search Michigan Basketball Insider or search Michigan Insider Podcast, and up they will come, and then grab the Michigan Basketball Insider, and you'll have us. So, Tim, excited, man. This is that time of year, right? We're ready to go. I hope the team is. It's been an exciting year, and I think they're capable of so much more. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.